Beginning today and for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at stories in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts, the stories of the early church and the beginning of the church. And each of those stories shares with us an example of how God redeems us through God's love. So love redeems, and it's God's love that redeems each one of us. Today, the story is from Acts chapter 9, and it's the story of Paul. Um, Some of you may know that story of Paul's conversion or the Damascus Road experience is what it's called. And I invite you to follow along with me as I read from that. You'll see it on the screens. Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, whether men or women, those letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. During the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Saul asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up and enter the city and you will be told what you must do. Those traveling with him stood there speechless. They heard the voice but saw no one. After they picked up Saul from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and neither ate nor drank anything. In Damascus, there was a certain disciple named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, yes, Lord. The Lord instructed him, go to Judas's house on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias enter and put his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias countered, Lord, I've had heard many reports about this man. People say he has done horrible things to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's here with authority from the chief priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. The Lord replied, Go. This man is the agent I have chosen to carry my name before the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Ananias went to the house. He placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord sent me. Jesus, who appeared to you on the way as you were coming here, he sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, flakes fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After eating, 
He regained his strength. He stayed with the disciples in Damascus for several days. Right away, he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogues. He is God's son, he declared. That's the word of God for the people of God and God's people say, thanks be to God. Let me invite you to pray for me in sharing this message with you as I pray for you in receiving it. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Saul is traveling. He's on this road to Damascus when he sees this burst of light encircle him, and then he falls to the ground. And he hears this voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Now, for those of you who may not know, Saul was a devout Jew. He was a religious person. He was a devout Jew. He was a Pharisee, which means he was a teacher of the law. And he had been in Jerusalem and was on his way about 150 miles away to Jacksonville. I mean, not to Jacksonville. I was thinking Jacksonville because it was northeast to Jacksonville. He was, he was headed to Damascus. <laughs> so like he was headed up to Jacksonville. My words are getting ahead of my, my, my thinking. Um, so he's traveling, he's traveling up northeast to Damascus. And there he is going to threaten Christians with imprisonment or death. You see... Paul, Saul, as we know him, knew that these followers of Christ, these people of the way, as it was called, he was sure that they would be detrimental, harmful to the Jewish faith. And so he wanted to imprison them. His sole mission in going to Damascus or Jacksonville was to round them all up so that he could have them killed. Now, we also know some background on Saul. From chapter 7, we know that when Stephen, a young Christian, had been uh, arrested, accosted, and was being stoned to death, that Saul was standing by at a distance. He was standing by the coats of all of those who were carrying out this execution standing there as if he was just authorizing this execution. So Saul is no longer just a bystander, but he has become enemy number one of Christians, even wanting to travel to other cities to arrest them. So as he's walking down this road, he is blinded by this bright light. He falls to the ground, and he hears the voice of Jesus say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Because when you harass others who are followers of Christ, you are harassing Christ as well. Now, this is after the crucifixion and the resurrection. 
all the resurrection appearances of Jesus, and yet the risen Christ still appears to Saul. He hears his voice and sees the risen Christ, and all of the sudden his life is completely changed. He might have had a certain plan when he was on the road that day, but very quickly his plans changed. His whole life was completely changed. So he's on the road and he hears this voice and he says, who are you, Lord? And the voice replies, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But get up and go to the city where I tell you to go. And then this is the beginning of Paul's conversion. He's been knocked to the ground, seen this great light, heard this voice, been blinded, and now he can't even find his own way. He has to be helped like a helpless child to get to Damascus. The men who are traveling with Saul are speechless. They, too, hear this voice, but they don't see anyone. They don't see the risen Christ like Paul, Saul did, and so, so they help Saul. They help him up. They, they guide him carefully all the way to Damascus, and we call this Saul's conversion experience or the Damascus Road experience. Now, we could read only this account, um, the first six verses of the chapter, and, you know, that would fit because today was Confirmation Sunday. We were confirming these kids. This is, this is their uh, moment of, of public profession of faith and, and marking their con the beginning of their conversion, the beginning of their life of faith. Um, but we read on because this conversion of Saul is only the first part of the story. It's the most vital part, to be sure. Nothing would have happened without Saul's conversion, but the conversion is not the end. The conversion is just the beginning. And after Saul is knocked off his high horse, then he is told to get up and go. We don't think he was really on a horse, by the way, but that's become the story. But um, he was definitely on his high horse, even if he wasn't on his horse. So he goes into the city. He's led into the city where he meets Ananias. Now, Ananias was also a Jew, and he had been also converted to be a follower of Christ. And he's minding his own business. I like to, sit up, I like to think of him sitting on his back patio, having his morning cup of coffee, when all of a sudden, in a vision, he hears this voice say, Ananias... And he says, here, here I am, Lord. Now, just for your information, that's always a very risky thing to say. When God calls out to you, you probably want to think twice before you respond. Because once you do, you never know what God might ask you to do. You may try to ignore it. Um, you, you might put in your, iPod, your AirPods and, and just try to quit listening. You, you may get, try to do something and get distracted so you don't have to listen anymore. But responding, here I am, Lord, that's pretty much asking for it. It just makes you a sitting duck waiting for what God will say. And that morning over coffee, Ananias said, here I am, Lord. And so God tells him. Now there's this man, Saul of Tarsus, and he's in this house 
on Straight Street, and I want you to go there, and I want you to lay hands on him. But Ananias, he, he's, he's been up with the news, and he knows who Saul of Tarsus is. He has heard what he has done, so he double-checks with God. Wait, I, I must not have heard you correctly, um, because, you know, I know who Saul of Tarsus is. Don't you remember who he is? He's the one who is killing people like me. He hates followers of Christ, disciples of Christ. He wants to round us all up and take us back to Jerusalem so that we can be killed. You must mean that I'm supposed to see someone else. But even with this reminder, God responds, Ananias, I want you to go to Straight Street and lay hands on this man because I have called him, I have chosen him to be my agent. Now, I'm sure that, that Ananias had plans for the day, and they didn't include that. But at this moment, everything has changed. So he, he goes anyway, and he arrives, and he d does and says, as he was instructed, he lays hands on Saul and says, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me. Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to you so that you might see again and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then immediately, something like scales or flakes fell from Saul's eyes and he was able to see. Now there are three things that I want us to remember about this story, all of this story from verse 1 to verse 20. First of all, this story is about Jesus and Jesus's redeeming love. Jesus is the one who came to Saul, and Jesus is the one who offered this redeeming love to Saul. And if someone like Saul could become someone like Paul, his name was changed to the Apostle Paul, if someone like Saul could become someone like Paul, then there is no one who is beyond the redeeming love of God in Jesus Christ. Saul was the one who breathed threats and murder to followers of Christ. He called for Christians to be stoned to death and basically stood by authorizing it when they were stoning Stephen. If Saul could be redeemed, then anybody could be redeemed. There is no one, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you have been, there is no one beyond the redeeming love of God. The second thing I want you to remember is that conversion always leads to call. God's redeeming love in your life, in our lives, leads to us being a part of God's redeeming love at work in the world. Some of the language of the early catechism, the early teaching of the church for those who wanted to profess faith in Christ for those who wanted to go through confirmation like the kids did this morning. Some of the early language of the catechism says that converts were saved from sin and saved to serve. 
Jesus didn't come to Saul on the road that day only so that he would trust in Jesus, only so that he would believe in Jesus. He also came so that Saul would be about the work of God's redeeming love in the world. When Jesus tells Ananias to go and to find Saul, he says, this is the guy that I have chosen to be my agent, my vessel, my instrument, and confirming our faith, being changed by Christ, is only the beginning. The next thing is sharing God's love. Saul was so transformed that he was able to get up and go. To get up and go to Damascus and then later to immediately begin preaching the good news. Conversion always leads to call. We aren't converted to just sit, but to get up and go. The third thing that I want us to remember, this account, this story of Saul and his conversion and what happened to him also reminds us that we need community. Saul wouldn't have known what to do without community. God could have chosen to speak to Saul directly that day on the road. He could have God could have blinded Saul and then told Saul what to do. But he didn't. God worked through community. God told Saul to go to Damascus and there Ananias would come to him. Ananias, a part of that community of faith. Jesus spoke to Ananias also and used Ananias to guide Saul. He told Ananias to go lay hands on Saul. And it was at that moment that those scales fell from Saul's eyes. And then when Saul got up, what happened? He was baptized in community. And then he had something to eat in community and was strengthened again. Again, those are all things that we do in community. Like today with the confirmands, we baptized in community. We laid hands on each one of them as they knelt at this kneeling bench in community. We prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill them. And then you know what? We had something to eat. We went to the table. We went to the communion table together. We celebrate the Lord's Supper together. You know, Christians, we're not called to go it alone. We can't be Christians alone. And, and some of us may have felt that more than ever during COVID when we were isolated at home and, and in our houses and only able to participate in worship by watching online. But we are not meant to do this alone. We are meant to do this together. It is not a solo gig. It's not biblical. We are the body of Christ together. 
We pray together, we eat together, we discern together, we share Holy Communion together, we baptize in community, we confirm in community, we share Holy Communion in community, we worship in community. Yes, there's a place for individual prayer and study and meditation, but we cannot go into the world and make disciples. We cannot make disciples in Gainesville, in Jacksonville, in High Springs, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth unless we are in community. So I encourage you to go out and remember those three things. It's all about Jesus. Jesus redeems us. The love of Jesus redeems us, no matter who we are or where we've been or, or what we've done. It's all about Jesus' redeeming love. And second, conversion always leads to call. We are saved from sin, and we are saved to serve. And finally, we live out our faith with one another in community, not a solo gig. Today, we celebrate with all those confirmands who received God's redeeming love and took that step to make that profession of faith. And I hope that they and all of us know that's just the beginning. Putting your trust in Christ is just the beginning of serving Him and following Him in the world. We may not know what lies ahead. We may not know where the path will take us. But we can know that we have a community of faith with us, walking with us and holding us every step of the way. And, without a doubt, we know that the risen Christ is with us. Jesus was crucified, and he was resurrected, and he appeared to the disciples. And after he ascended, he continues to appear in each of our lives. The risen Christ is with us, and we don't go it alone. Let's pray together. Oh God, we give you thanks for our redeeming love. Let you come to each one of us. All sorts of us. And through your love, redeem us. Oh God, enable each of us to experience that love. To know who you are and that we are your beloved children of God. We give you thanks. <clears throat> we give you thanks for the risen Christ and his work in our lives. Amen.